Well, hey, good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Roundup. I bet you were expecting Ezra Levant since he's been co-hosting, I think, for the last two, maybe three weeks already. Uh, this is the Daily Roundup, wherein we talk about the news of the day completely unscripted. I'm your host today, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and I'm joined by my co-host out on the left coast, Drea Humphrey. Drea, how's it going today? Yeah, I was going to say it's going good because I heard you have snow, Alexa has snow, and it's really sunny here. So just rubbing that in a bit <laughs> while it lasts. <laughs> That's cruel. Why are you going to be like that, Drea? Why do you have to be like that? It's the vitamin D. It's just, it's just doing something to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we should tell everybody what we're doing before we get started, and maybe I'll let you do that, because I want to talk about a federal court ruling that just came in mm. um, within the last hour that affects thousands upon thousands of Canadians. Um, an arbitrary act of government is hitting us with an expropriation confiscation of our property um, when we haven't done anything wrong. So we'll quickly talk about that. And then there's a ton of things happening in the world. So I'll let you let everybody know how they can get involved and support the work that we do. And I will, uh, I'll get ready and collect my thoughts on this uh, (laughs) federal court ruling. Absolutely. So we've got a jam-packed live show for you. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the Daily Roundup, it's something we do five days a week to go over the latest current affairs. It's uh, unscripted, so you get to really connect with us. And one of the coolest ways you can connect with us is actually become a part of the live show by doing live chat. So if you go on Rumble or Odyssey, I think it's called a Rumble Rant, and you make a donation, which helps keep the lights on here at Rebel News. You know, we're independent. We don't take a penny from the federal government like 95% of the media in Canada. So if you do a donation, do a live chat, you can comment, weigh in on what we were saying, you can add something, we read that, and it's a really cool way to help Rebel News, but also just get the news out there in general. So, And I think we have an interesting campaign um, if you've been following a lot of the pro-Palestine and some of which, or some of the people who are pro-Hamas, we have a defundhamas.com campaign. So David Menzies and Lincoln went out there, Lincoln J, and we actually had a huge truck. I don't know if we have any footage of it or anything that we can put on. Um, and basically it's calling for people who are here as guests whether that's on a student visa or visiting, if you are blatantly going out and supporting Hamas, uh, we have a petition set up. If you think that that is just unacceptable, where you can sign it and we're asking for them to be deported. Like I said, they're guests, so you shouldn't be supporting a terrorist movement. So deporthamas.com. I believe we have a .ca URL up as well. You know what, uh, team in... Toronto. Why don't we go to David's video on that? Because he was in New York last mm-hmm. week, I believe it was. And today he's in DC. Um, and then uh, we're taking this thing to Canadian cities and we've got plans to take it, if we can, to other parts of the world. Yeah. So let's roll David's video from the streets of Washington, DC. Hey folks, David Menzies here along with Lincoln J. We have just landed in the U.S. capital of Washington, D.C. and we're here to send a message, namely, enough is enough. What did we see after the October 7th terrorist attacks in Israel? 
which killed more than 1,400 people and ended up with more than 200 people being kidnapped and held hostage. Well, we saw thousands of people, including foreign nationals, take to the streets, not to condemn Hamas, but to support them. This is completely offside. These are foreign nationals that have been invited into Western democratic cities, and they are going out into the public square and advocating their support for a terrorist organization and horrific terrorist crimes. Well, we're saying this, let's make deportation great again. We want people to sign our petition, which is deporthamas.com. That's deporthamas.com. These ingrates have got to go, and the sooner the better. And these people should be grateful they're not being charged with some kind of law in regard to aiding and abetting terrorist causes. So please go to deporthamas.com, sign the petition. And folks, these trucks, they cost about $2,000 a day. We were earlier in New York City. Uh, today's Washington. We're definitely going to Toronto and Ottawa. We might even go to Europe. If you can chip in a buck or three, we would greatly appreciate your support. So again, deporthamas.com. Sorry, but foreign nationals, many of whom are on student visas, supporting Hamas, supporting terrorism. So there you have it, deport Hamas. David Menzies is out on the streets of, well, North America right now with the billboard mm. truck. Um, we don't have an obligation to allow people to support terrorism, particularly when they're non-citizens. So I don't know, maybe consider taking your uh, support of terrorism to a terrorist hotbed and see how it goes for you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Try that. Queers for Palestine. Yeah, I was um, thinking the same thing. <laughs> I saw a funny, uh, it, it showed the queers for Palestine and then it had cows for McDonald's underneath it. Yeah, there's one place in the Middle East where they have a pride parade and it's Tel Aviv, actually. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Tel Aviv, I think, might even have two pride parades. We were there once when they were having their pride parade. And, uh, you know, it was less over the top, I'll be honest, <laughs> than, than yeah. some of the Western world stuff that you see. But it is the the place in the Middle East where you can you, be you, I guess. Uh, let's get to this breaking news out of the federal court uh, that just happened about 45 minutes, an hour before we decided to come on air. Not that we decided to come on air. We're scheduled to come on air. Excuse me. I, uh, I'm very disheveled. <laughs> Excuse me there. Um, I, uh, it was uh, frantic for me to get on air. Um, but the federal court uh, of Canada has upheld Justin Trudeau's extra parliamentary, I'll call it, order in council ban of uh, initially 1,500 Canadian long guns uh, mm -hmm. that has had another about 500 models of long guns and shotguns shoehorned into it since then. So it's closer to 2,000. Um, and that happened in May 2020 in the middle of the uh, pandemic restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, and Justin Trudeau used the single largest mass shooting in Canadian history in Halifax or near Halifax to justify going after lawful Canadian gun owners. Uh, he stood on the graves of other people to attack people who had done nothing wrong. You see, the guns that were used by the 
maniac who committed that crime, none of them were lawfully obtained. Unlike the guns that Justin Trudeau is going after now. So some 2000 models, according to Justin Trudeau, so dangerous that they include a 410 bird gun. And I would be remiss to, you know, shoot anything larger than a Robin with that. But that was so dangerous. Justin Trudeau considered it an assault uh, style firearm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so several parties were in court over the course of, well, really the last two and a half years, three years, to challenge this, to ask for a judicial review, to ask a judge to, to examine what happened here and say, was it fair? Does it comply with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms? And um, is the government acting within the, the authority that the government has? And of those applicants, there were over a dozen applicants, individual applicants involved in six applications. One of Mm -hmm. those applicants was the province of Alberta. And I think that will be particularly interesting later on today, because I wonder if the Alberta government has a fail safe built into this, because today is our first day back in session. uh, And so we're going to have the throne speech today. And I wonder if there's going Mm. to be, and I think there will be, Something in there for Alberta gun owners. We already know that Je- that Daniel Smith has said to the RCMP, you're not bothering with yeah. wasting stretched resources to go after, you know, duck hunters well. and sports shooters. So the federal court today, actually, uh, Judge Catherine Kane ruled that six separate applications for judicial review. Um, were unsuccessful in arguing that the federal government did not exceed their statutory authority granted to it under existing laws. So the judge ruled today that the governor and council, so um, that's basically the mechanism for the order and council, uh, to reclassify these guns willy-nilly is reasonable that the government did not subdelegate its authority to prescribe firearms as prohibited. So one of the challenges was um, you've given this power to the RCMP basically to decide what guns are prohibited and not. And how do we hold RCMP bureaucrats to account? This should be uh, something that sits within the parliament so that people like me can say, Hey, remember that time you said that gun I bought completely legally was illegal overnight. And I woke up in the morning, like the next day, a a criminal. Um, I'm never voting for you again. Like you don't have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to do that when some faceless RCMP bureaucrat is the pencil pusher making the decisions over whether or not you get to own your property. And they also said there was no breach of the duty of procedural fairness in the decision of the government to create these regulations. So Mm. the argument is we're being treated unfairly. We lawfully obtained these guns. We did everything right. We didn't commit a crime with them. So why are we the ones paying the price for the actions of a maniac somewhere else? And the judge ruled that actually the government never exceeded its statutory authority. So sorry, too bad. And basically upheld the RCMP and the Fed's extra parliamentary authority to basically do whatever they want to you. Um, And they don't have a duty to be fair about it. And I should note to you that these guns that Justin Trudeau just had to stand on the graves of 
murder victims to mm-hmm. ban. Yeah. The, those will remain in the hands of Canadians until at least, at least, and I, I suspect it'll be longer because if there's a change in government, this is just going to be heave hove right out the door. Yeah. But those will remain in the hands of lawful Canadian gun owners until at least October 2025. So no, they banned okay. these things. It'll be five years from the time they were so deadly, they had to get off the streets immediately yeah. without yeah. ever putting this before parliament. They're so deadly that they've had to kick the can down the road now twice because mm-hmm. ban- you want, you've banned something from me. Now you have to confiscate it from me, but you should be compensating me yeah. for this thing you are taking from me. And they mm-hmm. can't figure out how to do the compensation yeah. part of confiscation. So um, it's so deadly that the government hasn't bothered to figure out how to do any of this. And they're leaving him in the hands of Canadians for five years. So even the government doesn't believe that these firearms are deadly. I mean, they really aren't. They're not really the things being used in the commission of crimes. Illegal handguns trafficked across the border are because Justin Trudeau won't yeah. do anything about tightening up the border. Um, but yeah, they're so deadly that I just... I get to keep them in the gun safe for five full years. Exactly. And just wait to see what happens. I mean, and it's not surprising to me, you hit it on the nail in many ways, but the RCMP being charged of this, you know, that's the feds RCMP and the whole waiting five years, it just, it's all just sort of a smoke screen. I remember them uh, really looking at that maniac who did the mass shooting, pretended to be an officer and shot all those people in Nova Scotia. And they used that as though it's some excuse to go ahead and ban law-abiding guns. But he got those guns, like you said, across the border. They were illegally obtained. He wasn't even supposed to have guns. So meanwhile, while they act like they're doing all this without even really taking these guns off of uh, out of homes for five years, uh, they're not cracking down on where they should be. And that's where it's really misfortunate. And that's where the actual main murders are happening when it comes to guns. You know, and we should make the distinction. Regular RCMP officers, I think, by and large, hate the idea of kicking in the doors of their friends and neighbors to confiscate their property. When a lot of RCMP that I know, and I think many of you out there know, are gun owners just like us. And a lot of them are hit by this. It's the pencil pushing bureaucrats in the upper echelons of the RCMP um, in a cubicle somewhere who get to make decisions um, on behalf of the rest of the RCMP. And it is then your local cop who becomes the face of this. And he ends up being the bad guy when he wants none of this. We should make that distinction. But also we should remember that Brenda Lucky, the RCMP commissioner at the time, collaborated with the liberals Mm -hmm. to strategically release the makes and models of the firearms used in that mass shooting so that it would be easier for the liberals to politically ban them. It would be more expedient. They would say, oh, look, see these guns, these are the ones killing people. So we have Mm -hmm. to get those out of the hands of the people who are completely different than the madman who did all the killing. She did that. She collaborated with the liberals and politically contaminated her legacy. Um, and now mm-hmm. she's out the door. She's gone. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, if people want to sign our, to see if, how Danielle Smith handles this for sure. 
Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm very curious about that. I was just going to say that if people want to sign our petition, sending a message to the feds to focus on the bad guys and not your local sports shooter, gun aficionado, and uh, in some instances, your local cop <laughs> who's down at the gun range with you. Um, if you want to send uh, the feds a message, you can go to handsoffourguns.ca, sign that petition. I would love, love, love. To, to drop that off to our public safety minister, uh, maybe our commissioner of the RCMP, considering the extreme powers that the uh, RCMP have in banning guns. But yes, uh, moreover to your point, Drea, I, I'm very curious to see how the province of Alberta reacts because um, Danielle Smith has made it her mandate to fight with the feds <laughs> on issues that affect Albertans, especially when she thinks the feds are both overstepping their authority and stomping all over Albertans' rights. So I'm I'm curious, our speech from the throne, I think is 3 p.m. Alberta time, five o'clock for you and the rest of the world. Uh, by the rest of the world, I mean Toronto. Um, and I know that we will be rebroadcasting the speech from the throne here on Rebel News. So I'm almost certain given what happened today, that there will be something in there for law-abiding Canadian gun owners. Um, we remain the sanest jurisdiction in this country with, I think, Saskatchewan just neck and neck with us. Close behind. <laughs> All right, now okay. we're on to... One of the worst Take things away, I've ever Sheila. seen. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, I mean, insane video out of Dagestan, what is that, a mm -hmm. former uh, Soviet Republic, um, pro-Hamas rioters storm an airport um, in search of Jews. They heard that this plane had landed, I think, from Israel. And th th I think they had heard through the grapevine that some people yeah. who were fleeing the war we're landing yeah. there. Look at this. Like, this is Can World War Z. This is just so despicable. They're hunting. They're, They're hunting the Jews. Yeah. They're hunting. This is a pogrom. And so look at, I mean, and where are Russian officials? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm reliably informed. You can't get away with all that much in the name of protesting and rioting in Russia. I recall when they, like, held those guys from Greenpeace for quite mm -hmm. some time after they stormed uh, an oil platform, offshore oil platform. And uh, I, I can't even believe what I'm seeing here. Like, look at this look mob. Like I said, this is like something from World War Z, where the mm -hmm. zombies are just, like, piling over all the barriers and and climbing walls and stuff in search of you know a, a chance to eat a living human being and yeah. instead this is maniacal but, people in search of jews uh, yeah i mean yeah where is putin on this i thought putin don't play like look at this yeah oh my gosh and there's multiple like angles just, of this right it's from all over the place. Ezra made a joke that in Borat, in the movie Borat, um, they there was a joke about, you know, like checking the airplane engine for the Jew. We just watched mm -hmm. that. Like it, 
it was a joke. Um, but not anymore. Is, uh, no, this is imagine <clears throat> being on that airplane, being yeah. a Jew on that airplane, and there's a bloodthirsty yeah. mob outside. And again, you said fleeing the war. Let's not forget that part too. So, you know, um, what I thought it's usually there's a lot of refugees, I'm assuming, in that community as well. And so you have people fleeing uh, what's happening there, or at least they think so. And this is how they're going to be greeted. It's terrifying. It's just so shocking to me. And I don't know why I get surprised about this, because we even saw it happen with the unvaccinated. But it's just so shocking how fast we see society dehumanize people. And with the Jews, it's happening all over again. I see memes where it's like we need to clean, uh, you know, let's get clean and they're throwing the Jewish flag in the garbage and things like that. It's just, have we not learned as humans yet about that? We just snap into place and most of us fall into it. It's, it's really disheartening. Um, and just the level of bloodlust that you see here, like it's astounding. Like Ezra said uh, in one of his tweets, what do you think Intifada meant? You know, when they are yeah. out on the streets around the world crying for an intifada, which is a violent uprising, this is it. We didn't have to uh -huh. wait very long to see the intifada, did we? In places that uh, seem slightly yeah. unexpected, but really, is it? Is it all that unexpected? Um, and then there's this crazy video. And moreover to the bloodlust. When it goes unsatiated because they can't get onto the plane to attack the Jews after the pilot told them, don't like, doesn't matter what's happening outside. Do not get off this plane. They turned their ire on the cops. I think we have images of that too. Do we have? Yeah. So what's the moral of the story here? If you're a Jew, don't expect the police to help you. Yeah. Look at that. It's like a BLM riot. Well, that's why I did a tweet like that. Like, why are so many of these pro-Palestine videos giving off BLM vibes? And now it's really doing that. But you can see it right away starting to happen. And it's like, what's going on here? Um, yeah. And I think if you look at when um, Ezra made that uh, in, in, in Tafada, sorry, you can yep. look at what they're saying. Do we have that video where it shows what they're actually saying there? There's subtitles on there too, because that's really concerning as well. It's really short. I think it's like 20 seconds or not. Um, but yeah, that's just the admission that they're coming there hunting the Jews. There you go, the next generation right there. Well, but that, I mean, again, that's happening in Gaza, which I, I don't want to say it's expected, but yeah, it's expected. But for this to be happening there in Russia is yeah. quite concerning. Um, in Gaza, this is a part of their education system, right? To dehumanize the Jews, hunt the Jews. This is a thing. Like they want to raise yeah. little 
future Jew killers. Right. Um, it's noble but, to hunt the Jews. Right. Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a career aspiration. If you want to be able to provide for your family, it's, it's something you might consider in Gaza um, because the Hamas officials have so depressed the economy that they have this desperate generation of people who see it not only as a moral uh, thing to abduct and kill Jews, but also a way to ensure the financial security of your family through their sl pay for slay policies. So they take the aid money given to uh, Hamas to provide all manner of infrastructure and um, necessities to the people. Uh, Hamas does not provide those things. And instead, they use it as part of their pay for slay budget. And then they say to Israel, okay, you give us water. Yeah. <laughs> you give us electricity. You yeah. give us internet for free. Mm -hmm. You give us the fuel to, uh, you know, make our uh, weapons against you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And the water pipes that we'll dig up so that we can make missiles and launch them into Starote. Um, we should, this is, I mean, this, I can't, like, this is just, it boggles the mind. Just the terror on that plane must have been unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Just, anyway, let's, uh, let's hit an ad break because we can talk about this on the other side of the ad break because uh, uh, there's the, now what we saw in this Russian locale is starting to concern officials in other parts of the world. So let's hit an ad break and then go to that. David Menzies for Rebel News here in downtown Toronto. And I got to tell you, folks, next March, March 23rd to 30th, to be precise, we are going on a Caribbean cruise. Can you imagine that? And a lot of your favorite rebels will be there, such as Sheila Gunn-Reeds. We got Alexa Lavoie, the big boss man himself. Of course, he'll be there, Ezra Levent. And how about this? How about this for the cherry on the Sunday? Tamara Leach, Canada's number one freedom fighter. She'll be on that boat, too. And look at the itinerary. We're gonna be going to Half Moon Cay in the Bahamas, and then we're gonna jazz it up in Oco Rios, Jamaica, and then there's Georgetown in the Cayman Islands, and finally Cozumel, Mexico. Can you imagine that? If you want more details in terms of getting aboard the ship, go to rebelnewscruise.com. That's rebelnewscruise.com. All the details are there, the departure dates, the costs, and you know what? This is not just a fun-filled getaway this is a way in which rebel news raises some revenue unlike the mainstream media we don't receive a nickel of government funding nor would we take it if ever offered so it's win-win enjoy yourself in the caribbean and mexico and also support your favorite online news channel so that's rebelnewscruise.com i hope to see you aboard Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. 
like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. All right. Uh... Let's see how much of this we can get to. I know we've got a ton of Israel stuff on the board, but there are other things happening in this country uh, that I would like to talk about as well. Um, so let's see. I might skip some of this team in Toronto. I know you meticulously prepared a lot of it, but we are already halfway through the show. Um, so uh, now we've got some spillover from the bizarre scenes that we saw in Russia. Um, we've got this clip from GB News, so that is the conservative network in uh, the UK. Uh, let's show that clip, please. Ah, yes, it is. So um, I guess uh, Olivia's having trouble finding the clip. But now we've seen, um, maybe we can just show the tweet. Um, fears for British geos uh, after mass mob targets airport passengers in terrifying footage in Russia. So um, I guess, are we just going to see this in Russia? Uh, again, like as Drea points out, Putin's pretty tough on protests, but uh -huh. we're not we're not seeing a ton of crackdown on what we saw there. So is this going to happen now in Moscow um, is this going to happen maybe in London? Well, we've seen some of that actually, um, since Ezra and Lincoln are currently in London, uh, for this week. So we've got actually a video of some spillover of some of this badness in to, uh, London. Let's show Lincoln's footage. So Lincoln's footage, uh, is police and pro-Palestinian protesters. I would say pro-Gaza. Uh, because I think uh, you, these people are definitely not in favor of the Palestinian people by propping up their government. So I would describe this as pro-Gaza protesters uh, getting shovy on the streets of London. Uh, they're calling for a Gaza ceasefire. Now, of course, they want a ceasefire when Israel's going to retaliate, <laughs> but not before, right? It, anyway, let's uh, let's show Lincoln's footage here.
That's crazy. And Lincoln's right in the middle of that. That could go real bad, real fast. Let us recall that the British police are generally unarmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've got their little batons and things like that and their kind words. But uh, wow. Yeah. And and the sheer amount like of how many people versus the police, like they are by far outnumbered if something really does get out of hand there. Um, but yeah, Lincoln was right there in the mix. Kudos to Lincoln and Rebel News for having our boots on the ground to show you what's happening like that. Wow. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. And as Lincoln said, it, those protests went on like all day from day mm-hmm. till night. Um, we've got an, another video from Lincoln. Uh, a pro-Gaza protester was detained by police. According to a witness, it was because of swearing. Now it is the Lennon police. So I've seen them confiscate knitting needles from old ladies and brag about taking like gardening tools from, (laughs) from people on the street. So it's believable that it was swearing, but I doubt that in this instance, that's what it was for. Uh, Let's show that. And then they grabbed us for section five, apparently swearing. For swearing? Yeah, just for sorry, swearing once as well. Are they, you think they're going to take them away? Or? Yeah, they could take Oh. Who needs a bar of soap, Grandma? Free Palestine, you get me? Do you think it was swearing, Drea? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Remember, it's like Ezra always tells us, they don't have to tell you the truth in these settings. They can lie. It's not illegal to do so. So no, I don't think it was swearing. Oh, well, and yeah, it was the, like the fellow protester saying it was swearing. So yeah, true. Right. I wasn't sure. I, again, though, I'm, I'm torn because the London police are, um, their public order units are, I mean, they do that kind of stuff, but I don't think that that's what, what was happening there. Like based on what we just saw happening in the streets of London, do you really think they're making arrests because of swearing? <laughs> like, do you really think you have the amount of police to make arrests to deal with curse words on the street in a mm. protest that was that volatile where then well, where they're sending it sounds like flashbangs uh, to disperse yeah. the crowd is what that noise I thought I heard. And the friends seem awfully calm. I feel like if your friend was getting arrested for swearing, you'd be making a pretty big deal about that. I'd be swearing. It's swearing. Yeah. You'd be swearing. swearing. I'd be swearing so that, yeah, so that you weren't in jail alone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you mentioned like the pro-Gaza thing. I just want to say like, I don't know if this is across Canada or whatnot, but in Vancouver, they actually say like all out for Gaza. So it's a very... uh, very accurate descriptor they are pro gaza yeah uh because again i reiterate if you're for the palestinian people you need to get you need to be against hamas um and the government there and the government there the government of gaza is hamas i've seen some very promising steps towards peace in other parts of israel peace through shared economic interests 
which I think is normally the way those things break mm-hmm. out. It's how peace broke out in the Middle East with Donald Trump um, okay. between Israel and the UAE, these shared economic interests. Um, well, even before and, then, trading, trading your goods, how peace came. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, how there, there are these economic zones between Israel and Jordan where Mm -hmm. workers come from both sides and they work in these economic zones. There are these um, industrial parks where people from the Palestinian controlled territories are coming into Israel, into what would be described as a settlement, which is literally just a town um, where the UN says Jews shouldn't live. Um, And they go there and they work and they make more money than they do in the Palestinian controlled areas. And people get to know each other in these places because What I think a lot of people don't realize is you can have an Israeli town and a Palestinian town and they're right across the street from each other, like right across the highway, and they never mix. There are your stores and their stores, and they have their church and you have your church, and they have their language and you have your language. They have their schools and like there's – they. it's like you just never mix. It's unnecessary. Uh, and they've constructed it that way. Both sides have done that so that they never actually have to talk to each other. But then they make these industrial parks where everybody works for the same business. And they have like uh, days off for Ramadan and they have days off for the never ending Jewish holidays. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and so then they actually get to know each other and they and it was fostering peace. And what is happening in Gaza is undoing much of that good work. And that yeah. is the real sadness because in other parts of Israel where where terrorism is, and extremism has doesn't have the same foothold, it, it's damaging that. It's damaging the way forward. Yeah. Wasn't SodaStream uh, one of those companies where everybody was getting along yeah. or was it SodaStream? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. SodaStream was um, oh, until... Anymore. Uh, until Western, uh, what the BDSniks, I'll call them, mm. the boycott, divestment, and sanctions people in the Western world on mostly university campuses, they said, uh, boycott Soda Stream because uh, it's in an occupied territory or yeah. it's in a Useful settlement. Or I forget what exactly. And so, Soda Stream, this place, where again Palestinians and Israelis were l- working in harmony, and if you look on the Soda Stream box, it actually says that made by people yeah. working together in peace and camaraderie or something like that. Uh, um, they actually, because of just the controversy, they moved their factory. So good job, oh, BDS Nicks. You unemployed a bunch of Palestinians. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've toured these factories. We've spoken to the Palestinians who work there and we've seen the efforts that they go through to um, make sure that everybody is accommodated. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really, it's it's wonderful, but again, yeah. being undone by, by terrorism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we've got uh, a video from Ezra from London. Uh, there's a lot of rage aimed at McDonald's. At one point, I was worried the restaurant would be stormed, Ezra writes. Uh, he's very concerned about his fast food companies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the reason that the ire was directed at McDonald's is because McDonald's in Israel um, is kosher. And they have mm. been feeding the troops. And uh, David Menzies also ate at a kosher McDonald's. And um, 
his sadness was palpable. <laughs> you can't get cheese on your burger. Um, oh, anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even get your like latte. You have to go to a different side. Like a, there's uh, a divider. If you got like for me, I'm like coffee, one cream. So I don't get a stomach ache, but I can't get it from, I can order it there, but I have to walk around to get it from the other wow. side because you can't mix your dairy with your meat. So it has to come from a separate kitchen and right. everything. It's a highly complicated, but they were feeding the troops because they have these uh, kosher kitchens. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not, not according to the pro terrorism people. Let's show Ezra's video. From the river to the sea. Did you see that? Yeah. Another call for genocide. As if the workers in there have anything to do with it. Right. That's gross. Like, these are minimum wage workers. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And by the way, the stupidity of those signs and the Israeli occupation, Israel's not in Gaza. They gave the Palestinians Gaza. They gave it to the to Hamas. Um, they're not there. They don't even. These people don't even know what they're protesting at this point. It's just and and like you said, the from the river to the sea. I don't think many people even know what they're saying when they're chanting that at these protests, especially you know Western useful idiots that are chanting it or holding signs about it. It's a literal call for genocide, just out there blatantly. Yeah. Ethnic cleansing. It's ethnic cleansing. They from the river Jordan to the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. Palestine will be free of Jews. What does that is mean? what they mean. Yeah, yeah. of Jews. Uh, we've got another video from Ezra. A black flag flown across the street from Ten Downing Street. Is that the ISIS flag or Islamic Jihad? So my understanding, and I don't know if I'm correct, that this is a flag that, of course, has been used by, uh, you know, terrorists, but also is just used by other Islamic groups. Um, but yeah, it's concerning. So I, I tried looking it up before, and of course, I can't read what it actually says. Um, it's going around in if green some- as well. If somebody knows, tell us in the comments. Doesn't look like the ISIS flag. I don't know what that flag is. Uh, it it sounds looks like, Ezra like doesn't the Hamas either. flag, right? It looks like yeah. the, well, what has been sort of called a Hamas flag because supporters of Hamas have waved it around, but it doesn't have the Hamas emblem on it. So yeah, if anybody knows, this is a good time to uh, join the chats on Rumble. Yeah, so there it is in green right there. And when yeah, it's so that's the green. Uh, yeah, Olivia points out this is Toronto. It's in green there. Okay. And so when it's in green, it looks a lot like Saudi Arabia's flag, but it doesn't have the sword underneath. So 
Yeah, really got to do some research on these flags. But I think the bottom line is it is typically like seen by supporters of like Hamas terrorists. So, yeah. Um, now, in sad news, one of the um, Very sad. most iconic images of the October 7th attack that we saw mm-hmm. coming out was of... Um, this young lady, 23 years old, German-Israeli tattoo artist who was at that Peace Music Festival, who was paraded through the streets of Gaza after being kidnapped, has been found dead. That's Shani Lewick. L- I hope I'm saying Loke, that right. I think. Loke. I think it's Loke. Loke. Yeah. Loke. Uh, she was, she, she, her death has been confirmed and it sounds like she's been beheaded. They didn't find yeah. her body. They found a uh, skull bone, a piece of her skull. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is this, the despair of these families, you know, like to be relieved that your daughter's yeah. dead mm-hmm. instead of suffering at the hands of some ISIS terrorist or ISIS, I'm sorry, um, some Hamas terrorist, but really what is the tangible difference? Um, that you're relieved she's no longer suffering knowing what you know about the suffering uh that the abducted women went through i mean it's just unimaginable what these families are experiencing and i I feel and she was a peace activist yeah well a lot of them it was sort of a peace music festival i mean these were very loving people that were slaughtered over 250 of them and the poor mom was holding on to hope because um, you know, she obviously saw those videos circulating, but somebody used or allegedly or reportedly used the Shani's credit card at some point. So she was really holding on for hope that, you know, maybe her daughter was still alive, but it's confirmed they found part of the skull. And like you said, she's taking relief in that it appears she was shot in the head. So she's saying, you know, at least she's not, she didn't suffer long or or what have you, but we don't know what happened before then. It's just so disgusting. Um, You know, the images that it's like you said, that is really the image of what happened there. You know, yeah, people are just pushing aside and, and days after even in Vancouver, like right after people were like, yeah, like this is liberating. You know, this is like so they had smiles on their face, you know, at the pro Gaza. They were jubilant. It, it was yeah. a celebration. You know, it really struck me. What was the thing that I read? And it was um, it was a list of things that and that's when it really hit home for me, just how catastrophically devastating this has been for a, a country that really values its children. Um, Mm -hmm. because Israel is a very young country. It's bucking the trend of the rest of the Western world in having a declining young population. Like people in Mm. Israel have lots of children. Mm. Um, Even secular Jews have a lot of children. They value their children. And what struck me was when they were like listing the things that as a civilian you could do, or if you weren't a reservist, what you could do to help. And they were listing, you know, like you can donate blood, you could do, do this, do that. And it was the donations. They were calling for donations of breast milk. And that was what really struck me 
how many mothers were missing. Yeah. Oh man. How many That's children sad. were suffering without their moms because their mothers were abducted or killed by these Hamas terrorists that they were concerned about the nutrition of the babies. And I hadn't even thought of that. Like the, mm -hmm. the amount of teeny tiny babies who don't yeah. have their moms. Uh, mm -hmm. That was the thing that really like was like, holy heck, this, what an absolute act of evil, like a ca catastrophic yeah. act of e evil in a biblical way uh, that we're not, we're not even going to really fully comprehend the impact it has on the psyche of Israelis for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something I, yeah, I mean, I haven't been there, but something I didn't like realize that's become very clear to me is just, you know, like how prevalent bomb shelters are and stuff and how it must be just different living, you know, so close to people, you know, want to actually just like wipe you out and can happen at any moment. And that's something that really stood out to me um, that I guess I just wasn't really aware of. I, it's, uh, it's everywhere, right? Like even places that are far away, nothing's far away from anything in Israel. Like you, mm -hmm. the whole country is close quarters. So mm -hmm. Um, like a top to bottom, like from Edmonton to Calgary, maybe even not that far. And in some instances from like Edmonton to suburbia across. So when the the UN says, oh, you need to give back that territory. Well, giving back that territory will yeah. spell, spell the end of the state of Israel because they need mm -hmm. to hang on to land strategically, right? You, like, you could be overrun before you could even uh, muster defense of your country if you start giving back territory. But mm -hmm. the idea that a bomb could happen at any moment is everywhere. You're sitting in the hotel by the pool and you look and you're like, oh, there's the bomb shelter yep. room. So you can see the fortified outside and you're like, oh, that's where it is. Um, in Starot, because I've been in Starot, uh, it's like 900 meters from the border with Gaza and every bus shelter is mm -hmm. a bomb shelter because they don't have time to get home to the bomb shelters. Over yeah. top of the playgrounds is like missile tarps wow. because, and there's not a lot of playgrounds there because why would you let your kids play outside? It's mm. just, it's a, it's a different way um, of, of living when you have to live right next door to people who want to butcher you yeah. in front of your children. Wow. Uh, let's hit an ad break on that horrifying note because you've got some uh, coverage of the um, Bring Them Home Now protest um, in Vancouver, people calling for the release of some 200 uh, hostages being held in Gaza. And I think one of the most frightening things, I think, for Israelis, and we'll talk about it after the break, is uh, the division of these hostages based on their citizenship. It's for release, I, but we'll talk about that after the break. Let's the ad break and then we'll go to that. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twc.health slash rebel today. 
I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. After years, I'm finally coming to Canada. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist. I've trained in epidemiology. The FDA wanted to block the Pfizer dossier for 55 years. 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths. Red Deer, Thursday, November 9th. Get tickets at canadiansfortruth.ca. See you Thursday, November 9th. Okay, let's just touch on this real, real briefly, um, because I, I think we should talk a little bit about Matthew Perry to, <laughs> to yeah. uh, just end on it's a, a light note, but also on. not not really because he's he died, but oh, yeah. um, it's not as bad as terrorism, I guess, all things considered. So, uh, Drea, I'll let you set this up. Yeah, so yesterday there was a Bring Them Home Now rally in Vancouver at the Vancouver Art Gallery. The Vancouver Art Gallery has been a very popular spot about the conflict. Uh, so both pro-Gaza and now we're seeing pro-Israel, if you will, uh, protests. But basically there's over 230 hostages that are still being held captive. So you can see them holding the image of them, the signs on them. One of the questions in a report that's coming up, uh, which you will see at CanadaStandsWithIsrael.com, I asked them about how they feel about seeing the videos, which there are too many to count, unfortunately, of people tearing down those very same images that they have from polls and, and things like that um, in various countries. And so a lot of them had things to say about that. Um, they all wanted to express that their hearts, um, you know, go out for any innocent civilian, but they want them returned. And it's like you said, Sheila, uh, the whole returning based on dual citizenship, it's not good enough. They want them all back. They want them back now. They don't trust the videos of, you know, uh, the, the few hostages or whatever who appear to be treated well. I don't know how you can be treated well by your kidnapper. Um, but yeah, so, and some of them were directly connected to people who are missing and kidnapped. So yeah, that's them walking around downtown Vancouver with the signs and the images and yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember, this sort of reminds me of, I'm trying to remember, I can't, there was a, it was a attempted, Olivia, maybe you can bring this up. It wasn't an attempted hijacking. It was a hijacking. And I want to say it was by Iranians 30, 40 years ago. Okay. Uh, the stewardess on the plane hid the, she died uh, helping children flee the plane, but Aww. she hid the uh, passports of the Israelis on the plane. Oh, wow. And yeah, because she move. knew that div dividing the passengers right. by their nationality would spell the death of those Israelis. Wow. And I think that's yeah. what we're seeing right now. When you mm -hmm. see these negotiations with what the Western world to get their people home, and I understand it, I really do. But look mm -hmm. at the flip side. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is weeding everybody else out and you're leaving just the Israelis behind and you know mm -hmm. what's going to happen to them. Yeah, here you go. Uh, 
she was a 22 year old flight attendant oh, working wow. on a Pan on Pan Am flight 73 when it was hijacked by terrorists in a layover in 1986. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, she. I got it wrong. I said it was the Jews, but what she did was she hid the Americans on the flight. And now I remember why this stuck mm -hmm. out in my mind. Cause I was like, she hid the Americans. And right mm -hmm. now we're identifying the Americans to bring them home. Right. Uh, yeah. and she and I, died. She died shielding aw. children. Yeah. And you mentioned Iranians anyway. in this case, I should say there were quite a few Iranians who came out in support of the, the Persians home now. Uh, yeah, because yeah, well, the Persians hate that the Iranian part, government. <laughs> I said Persians and they told me Iranian. So I, I don't you know what, whatever, up. you know what, yeah. um, I'll, I'll take their specifications on that. But yeah. we know this is very much so from David's coverage of the Persian community um, in the GTA. They hate yeah. <laughs> the Islamic regime of Iran. They, yeah, that's why they're here. And that so, yeah, of course. The I said Iranian Persian, community. they said Iranian community, but, um, but yeah, they said, you know, we, that Iran and Israel, they call them countries of peace that need to be freed from the Islamic regime. So, yeah. So I guess in our area of Vancouver, there's a lot of that. I don't know if that's happening across uh, Canada, but it was nice to see. Yeah. I'm very sorry. I got that story wrong, but I remembered why I remembered it. And I was like, <laughs> uh, by, by not dividing the Americans out, um, I think she stopped the slaughter of Americans and, right. uh, right now we're, we're doing completely the opposite. We're dividing the Americans out. I understand why the American government is doing that. They have an obligation to get their people home. They absolutely do. Mm -hmm. But what happens when we've distilled the hostage yeah. situation down to just single citizenship Israelis? Yeah. It's going to be very bad. I think, unless the IDEF not. frees them as they have been doing. So uh, we had some good news today. I don't know, Yankee posted it in the, in the chat um, about um, an IDF soldier, a, a girl. Uh, she was right. recently freed. Uh, I'm shocked to find out she's really? still alive. I think, I think the majority of the hostages are probably not alive, but... Uh, this is an IDF private. She was abducted by oh, wow. Hamas on October 7th. She was released and she's home with her family. My God, this poor was girl. Was she released or freed? Two different things. Released during IDF ground operations. So I oh, think okay. the IDF went and killed her captors. Wow. So, My goodness. The family yeah. must just so be that, like, oh, I can't imagine being the family, like how that wonderful feel. news. It's a little bit of goodness in all the badness. Uh, let's jump let's ahead. on Matthew Perry, because you've got some funny insight on this that I didn't know. And nothing's funny about Matthew Perry dying. Okay. But. So Matthew, right. Nothing's funny about Matthew Perry dying. But Matthew Perry was, um, in some instances, a national hero. And many of you might not know why. So uh, let's go to Justin Trudeau's tweet about Matthew Perry. So star of friends, a show I never watched, um, but I'm reliably Very informed casually. that people like him. Yeah. People like him. He was Chandler Bing. Was that mm -hmm. who he was? Yeah. Okay. So he was on friends. Um, the iconic show from the nineties and early two thousands, whatever. Um, so Justin Trudeau, as when all high profile Canadians die, he had to weigh in. <laughs> 
But uh, Matthew, what people don't know is that Matthew Perry knew Justin Trudeau when they were youngsters. I think they, they went to school together. So Matt, this is Justin Trudeau. Matthew Perry's passing is, sh- let's put that back up. <laughs> because we we need to read this. Matthew Perry's passing is shocking and saddening. I'll never, I bet you won't. I'll never forget the schoolyard games <laughs> we used to play. And I know people around the world are never going to forget the joy he brought them. Thanks for all the laughs, Matthew. You were loved and you will be missed. I'm sure that's true. And I'm also sure yes. that Justin Trudeau will never forget the schoolyard games that he used to play with Matthew Perry because Matthew Perry once described those schoolyard games to a late night talk show host. Let's go to that, please, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> all right, sir. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. You're, I mean, as a, you're a fellow Canadian, are you, will you consider yourself fully Canadian? I'm sort of half, half. Half We're Canadian. Half half. Yeah. Well, I'm half and half. Well, perfect. Get over here. Between us, we make a full American. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Not a Canadian. And you, uh, by the way, this is an interesting thing I learned about you. I know I did not know this. The Prime Minister, the current Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, somebody you went to school with. I did. I was uh, a couple years ahead of him. Okay. Where did, where, how old were you at this time? Uh, fifth grade. So whatever age you are in fifth grade. Okay. And do you remember? Ten, probably. Do Ten? you remember him I, around school? I do. I have a story about him that I'm not proud of. What? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, I was reminded of this. My friend Chris Murray, who was also in the fifth grade in Canada, reminded me that uh, we actually uh, b- beat up Justin Trudeau. <laughs> you beat him up? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I, I don't know. The he, two of you beat him up? We both beat him up. And Schoolyard I, game. I think he was excelling in a sport that we weren't as... So it was pure jealousy. I see. And we... Uh, we, we you know, we beat him up. And isn't there? Is his dad was the prime minister of Canada? His dad was the prime minister at that Canada. time, right? I don't think that's the reason we beat him up. I think right. he was the only kid in school that we could beat up. Don't they have Secret Service there protecting the children of their prime ministers? Uh, they didn't. They didn't. Wow. Because <laughs> that would never happen to Baron Trump. You'd be in the stockade right now. You'd be. Yeah. In, it's true. <laughs> you'd be in Russia somewhere. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I'm. You know, I'm not bragging about this. It's terrible. I was a stupid kid, and you yeah, know, no, I didn't a... want to beat him up. In fact, I think at one point I tried to turn it into love play. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is a handsome guy. Yeah, I boy, mean. is he ever. Yeah. But I think it was rather instrumental in him become, you know, going to such great heights and becoming the prime minister. You feel think, that way? Yeah, I think it was, you know, I think he said, I'm going to rise above this, uh-huh. and I'm going to become prime minister. I'm going to in- destroy those two boys. Yeah, exactly. Perry and Murray, he who rose beat above me. both of us, you know? <laughs> yeah, wow, that's something else. That's really, Do you ever have contact with him, and have you discussed no, this? No, no, I feel no. shame. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jimmy Kimmel. That's good. <laughs> Of schoolyard games, Trudeau hey? tried to use that for clout. <laughs> yeah, schoolyard games. I'll never forget. We were just the best of buds. Like, he just, he's such a liar so many times. Uh, I mean, the has he not seen that video? The, school, the only person in the school that Matthew <laughs> Perry could have beaten up was Justin Trudeau. <laughs> he needs a stamp. Um, but wait, before we move on, speaking of people on stamps... I know that I just, I'm springing this on people, but oh my goodness, Buffy St. Marie. (laughs) Drea, are you following this with Buffy St. Marie? It's so funny you asked that. I literally, it was a family friend's birthday and I literally just heard about it. I had not. So 
it's on my list to look into, but we were talking about it. But I'll this give is you the not... Coles Notes version. Yes. I'll give you the, the brother... Coles Notes okay. version. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen this, I am going to do something I never do, but I have to do it. CBC did a good job on a story. Okay. <laughs> go go to the fifth. Go to the, you know what? It's still not worth the $1.6 billion a year that they get to do one good story a year. But I also like when political, uh, my political adversaries are just like eating themselves alive. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I'll just lean up against the wall and watch it happen. So Buffy St. Marie, Canadian icon. When you know it, probably not even Canadian at the end of the day. Why? <laughs> I, so she's got the order of Canada, like the highest order of yeah. the land that you can give a Canadian. She's not joke. Canadian. My friend Lise calls her Bluffy St. Marie. Bluffy, <laughs> I love that. That's good. Bluffy St. Marie. Buffy St. Marie is an Italian-American malingerer from outside oh. of Boston known as Beverly Santa Maria. Um and everything that we know about her upbringing is a lie. So, yeah. and these are stories that she has repeatedly told on video, on audio, in writing, in at least two um, authorized autobiographies. She was born in the town of Wakefield, Massachusetts, um, as I think it was the 48th baby that year. Um, and how do I know that? Because CBC went to Wakefield oh, and wow. got her birth certificate. Good on that. She has repeatedly said, I'd never had a birth certificate. I don't know where I'm from. Oh, I was gosh. given up for, a. Wow. I was born on the Saskatchewan Piapot Reserve. I was given up for adoption. Um, I may have been born out of wedlock. I was given up for adoption. I was adopted into this white family outside of Boston and oh, and my adoptive mother was Micmac. Mm -hmm. She's not. They are. They actually. The adopted mother's their, not. No, there's. Oh she's not gosh. adopted at all. Oh my gosh! What's going on? And didn't the brother out she, her or something? He tried. This speaks to, and uh, this is my personal opinion here. How evil Buffy Saint Marie is. Sorry, Beverly Santa Maria. They changed their name from, they're so Italian that they changed their name from Santa uh, Maria because yeah. it was a little too ethnic to Saint uh, Marie. Okay, oh so uh, she's identified as white on her birth certificate. By the way, she tried to say that there was no record of her birth on the Piapot Reserve because the, either there was a fire, she said, or there were just no records. No, if you were born on reserve, and uh, she actually said, I was born in the Craven Hospital. The Saskatchewan government, by the way, real heroes in this story because the Saskatchewan government's like, yeah, there was no hospital in Craven there. Um, there was no, uh, during those years, there was no incidents of destruction of uh, any sort of records happening during that period. Fire, flood, nothing. We have all those records. We have all the adoption records. She does not appear. Um, they just like completely debunked all of this. Um, wow. her family, her sister, her niece, Heidi, by the way, also a hero in this story because her father tried desperately 
to get Buffy to stop lying. He wrote, right. uh, oh, by the way, if you want to see something real weird, watch Buffy's first appearance on Sesame Street with those little kids. Oh, I gotta go Where back. the kids are like, are you a fairy tale Indian or a real Indian? And she's like, I'm a real Indian. And then she does something that Dr. Phil calls duper's delight where she smirks at the end of her lie. Um, oh. Anyway. Uh, yeah, oh, this, it, there it is. Watch, oh, you guys are so good. Producer T. Okay. This, like, I always thought Buffy St. Marie, her foundation never matched her face. And I was like, this well, woman now you is know. very wealthy. And now I know. I was like, her foundation doesn't match her arms. And like, yeah, your face is never quite the same color as your arms. Right. But she had this like sallow sort of weird um, funeral home makeup on all the time. And I always mm-hmm. thought it was strange because I'm like, she's way wealthier than to have bad makeup like this. Um, but her brother was an Air Force veteran, uh, just an mm-hmm. upstanding good guy, a commercial airline pilot after that. Nothing but good to his children, from what I understand. Just an upstanding individual, and he didn't like his sister lying. So he wrote letters to like PBS, and he tried to set the record straight. I even think Beverly's uh, <laughs> dad tried to set the record straight. And um, what happened was Buffy St. Marie, Barbara, or no, Beverly Santa Maria, wrote and threatened her brother. <laughs> Threatened oh, her no. brother and said, uh, uh, in a handwritten note, which matches her handwriting, and in a legal letter saying, we'll, we'll see you for defamation. And this was like a high price L.A. lawyer. Right. Um, because she was like at the height of her stardom then. Yeah. And basically said, if you her handwritten letter, which the niece now showed CBC, said, if you go public, I will tell everybody that you're a pedophile. Oh gosh. And can you imagine? Uh, Yeah. And so, you know what, when I, when I see the lengths that Buffy St. Marie went to, to silence her family, I hope her family's watching. For me, this speaks to the value of these people that they were so good that Buffy knew they could not be bought by her wealth. She had to do something more evil to them than that. Probably wouldn't share. Yeah. Well, she knew that these were the kind of people who could not be bought off with a house or a vacation or a car Mm -hmm. or a money or a trust fund. She had to do something else more evil to destroy them. And that's what she did. And her brother went to look at at her makeup. Beverly Santa Maria. How much money has she made off of this lie? Music. Look at it all. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then she says. I'm glad the truth came out while she's alive, though. Me too. And then she says, uh, I don't know where I'm from. I don't know where. Well, I saw your birth certificate, Bev. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We know. Um, We know where you're from, though. Yeah. But then she says, it doesn't matter because I know I'm, I just know I'm Cree. And I was adopted into the Piapot First Nation by this family when I was in my 20s. Okay. But would that family have adopted you if you actually told them you were just some basic white lady from outside of Boston? Probably not. They thought that they were adopting somebody taken from them in the 60s scoop. This is another atrocity. She said she was a 60s scoop survivor. So what, they scooped her in her 20s? Like, Beverly, you were born in the 40s. The 60s scoop did not happen until the 
late 50s into the 60s. So she would have to have been 60 scooped in her 20s. They thought this family thought they they thought that they were readopting somebody snatched from their community and not some grifting white lady from outside of Boston who attached herself to the uh, American Indian movement because it was popular, sort of coincided with the hippie stuff that was happening at the time. And so that's what she did. Uh, she just played everybody. Uh, she played everybody. She's on a stamp. Her. She's <laughs> on a stamp. She has the Order of Canada. Oh my Lord, get this. Oh she helped God. develop Cree language. What? That are used in school. She doesn't even speak Cree. I think oh, the only Cree I've ever heard look the at her. speak. Look at her and just the mockery. Like all of this is a costume. She's still denying it. You know what I want to see? She's nowadays you can identify. Yeah, you know what? I want a piece of her hair still attached to a feather for all I care. And let's do a swab with Heidi Santa Maria, the hero Mm -hmm. of this story, who's finally Mm -hmm. sticking up for her dad. Yeah, she met the queen. Like this is just like crazy. You know what? Beverly Santa Maria. That guy in the middle knows. Look, the guy in the middle, he knows what's up. (laughs) He knows. He's like, who's this lady in this costume? Um, She's like, earned her village person costume, got her all the way onto a stamp in Canada, hosting CBC um, specials because she's Canadian. She's not. She's born in the United States. And she like... She's on a stamp. Like, it's just, it's so outrageous. But Buffy, you want to put this to bed? You want to prove me wrong? Swab, mouth swab, you and Heidi. And we'll see. We'll see. Heidi looks like you, Buffy. She just has better foundation neck match than you do. Anyway. Yep. Oh, man. This crazy, man. I'm not surprised. Imagine Nothing surprises being her me real anymore. family. Imagine being her real family in this your whole life. time for years. They've known that. They knew don't And they've tangle. been trying they to know. tell people too. Yeah. Jeez. But also Buffy St. Marie is um, apparently quite oh. vindictive and evil. So yeah. who knows? Anyways, okay, thank you for um, going with me on that chat. rant. <laughs> oh, no. That's good. I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't know much about it. So. Okay, so what do we have here? Oh, no, that is... We have Kane and Mark. I've got Kane's. I see Kane's. Okay. I can read that Go one. For it. Uh, Kane sure. and, and Mark gives us five bucks. Says he bought my ticket to Rebel News Live. By the way, Rebel Live mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, what date is that? I want to say no. November 17th, but... I think maybe it's right after flight. the Ben Shapiro event. I'm looking right now. But anyways, he bought his ticket to the Rebel News live event. Um, thank you. It is uh, you November 18th. 18th. Okay, I'm flying on the 17th. In Calgary. Well. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's in Calgary. And he says there's no venue in the ticket. It says Southeast Calgary. Yes, we'll let you know closer yes. to the date. <laughs> That's for your That's own on good purpose. Team. That's for all of our own good, but it's going to be awesome. So glad you got your ticket. Including that of the venue. So yes. 
Um, also, those of you at home who are hemming and hawing about, oh, will I go to the Rebel Live event? I'm not sure if I'm going to get tickets. Get tickets immediately because if you leave this to the last minute, you're not going to get to go and then you're going to have to watch it online. There are online tickets. So if you're not in Alberta or if you're not traveling to Alberta to come to it, you can get an online ticket, but it is so much more fun in person and you're going to meet a bunch of like-minded people. And by like-minded, I don't mean um, ideologically exactly the same. I mean, people who want to allow you to think however you think without uh, being molested by the state or your neighbors. Um, but uh, you'll meet a bunch of us. We've got great speakers. It's it's like a freedom convention for a whole day. And there's great food and lots of rebel personalities and other celebrities in the freedom movement will be mixing and mingling there. So it's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, anyways, it's, was it Rebel News Live? .ca? Is that right? Olivia? We have so many URLs. Like we're <laughs> Canada's largest. It was really good last year. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Olivia's going to get the URL for me. Yeah. We're like Perfect. Canada's largest holder of URLs. So, so forgive me <laughs> if some of them slip my are. mind from time to time. Um, it's uh, Ezra's addiction. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. He just buys URLs. It's still probably cheaper than smoking and drinking. Um, we've got, uh, well, Olivia. Okay. Yes. I wasn't rebelnewslive.com. I wasn't wrong. Rebelnewslive.com. Get your tickets. Perfect. And we'll see you there. Um, Fraser McBurney, five bucks. Memories. Hi, As a boy. Yeah. Fra oh, those of you who don't know, I'll give you the history of Fraser. Fight the Fines Recidivist from Hamilton, Alberta. Hamilton, Alberta, Hamilton, Ontario. Although the way he likes to protest, he is probably an Albertan way down deep in his soul. Um, <laughs> but don't lie about your birth certificate. Yeah, <laughs> right? like Fluffy. Don't, don't be like Bluffy. Um, anyways, uh, from Hamilton, he uh, got some tickets during the course of the pandemic for Fighting for Freedom. Uh, the Democracy Fund was able to help him and he just loves his cap locks because he's enthusiastic about communicating with us and we are with you. So Fraser says, uh, memories as a boy living in Montreal on Sunday, all stores were closed. We would get dressed in our Sunday best. I would go to Sunday school where I was taught stories from the good book, the Bible. I wonder yeah. back in the, those days, old Beverly Santa Maria was playing on the radio. <laughs> on your way to church. Beverly I am obsessed with Buffy St. Marie right now. I have, <laughs> I have watched so many interviews where she's like talking about the colonial state and I'm like, you colonized oh indigenous identity, sister. She is like, the biggest just, colonizer. Literally. Yeah. Oh, Think man. of all the opportunities she stole from like talented indigenous people because she could warble like a songbird. And everyone was like, oh yeah, she's, she's, she's lovely. Um, but how far would she have gotten as old Beverly Santa Maria? I'm not so sure. Anyway, is, uh, right. are those all I the chats? I think that's all the chats. Okay. Yeah. We should uh, go out on this clip from Melanie Jolie, uh, the absolutely underqualified, uh, foreign affairs minister under Justin Trudeau calling for a humanitarian pause and a truce in the it's Israel hard, and Hamas. Yeah. In the Israel and Hamas conflict. Um, I, I believe Israel has 
Israel didn't attack. So why are you calling on the Israelis to move forward with the truce? They have hostages that they need to get. They have hostages they need to bring home. <sighs> calling for a truce means you leave those hostages behind. No thanks, mm -hmm. Melanie Jolie. Oh, so we'll and you let them know the it's out. okay to do it again. Right. Now we're negotiating with terrorists. So yeah. good job. Um, anyways, we'll wrap up the show. We'll go out on that clip. Drea, thanks for Thank bearing you. with me as I um, talk about my latest obsession, Buffy St. Marie. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Beverly right, bye, everyone. Maria. <laughs> bye. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for everybody working behind the scenes uh, at Rebel News in Toronto HQ and across the world to bring you the show whenever you want to see it. Thanks, everybody, who pitched in. Um, and uh, as David Menzies always says, stay sane. At this point, Canada mourns seven dead. We're still searching for two who could be held hostage. 400 Canadians are trapped in Gaza. They are living in fear and despair. And as a government, we have a duty to bring them to safety. And that is why we need humanitarian pauses, a humanitarian truce in Gaza. And I've been in contact with Israel, with Qatar, with Egypt and the US nearly every single day for the past three weeks. At this point, we need an agreement from all parties to get our foreign nationals out, including Canadians. All hostages must be released. And it is important to allow food, fuel and water in Gaza. And Canada will be reaching out to more countries to join in that call. I spent the better part of this last month in Israel, Jordan, Egypt, and the EUAE, overseeing our efforts to help Canadians leave the region and working with our partners to address the impacts of this conflict while finding ways to de-escalate. The region is at a very precarious moment. You can feel the weight of anxiety and pain in the streets and at the highest levels of government. While we face the immediate and urgent impacts of this crisis, we must also look forward, looking forward to a political horizon and towards peace. And these conversations of how we can build a better future, supporting a two-state solution where Israeli and Palestinian civilians can live side by side in peace and security, and where the Palestinian right of self-determination is respected are conversations I will never shy away from.